This is Andy. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast on which we watch very special episodes of TV from the past to see what they have to teach us today. Today, we are going to watch an episode of Different Strokes. This is Season 5, Episode 1, Shootout at the OK Arcade. You can watch it on Hulu with the Stars Edition or Amazon Prime with the Stars Edition. Uh, the original air date, January 1st, 1982. And the there are so many credits. There are so many credits, but I think we can we can whittle this down. It's got a teleplay, teleplay credit, story credit, and a written by credit. But I'm just going to chunk them all in this writing credit. You go for it. Howard Leeds and Martin Cohen and Blake Hunter. They're all separated by an ampersand, which means they all work together on this. Right. Which brings us right into you wrote what? Yay! You wrote what? So I threw an S on there because they wrote <laughs> fucking everything. These three people between them made '80s television. They wow. are the creators of Small Wonder, Silver Spoons, and Who's the Boss? Wow! Fucking yeah, right. Um, and I, there were a lot of other nonsense, including somebody had a couple credits on the Red Skeleton show. <laughs> you know, Red Skelton. Red Skelton. Yeah, he's a famous uh, comedian. You know, you know yeah. who he is. Yeah, I know. Oh, okay, yeah. the way you said it, I thought maybe you didn't. No, I just mean he's incredibly old. Yeah. And when I when I clicked on that link, a puff of dust came out of the screen. <laughs> um, but for the sake of this segment, let's uh, talk about Howard Leeds, who wrote an episode of the Brady Bunch called Ghost Town USA, Ooh. which IMDb describes thusly: <laughs> The Bradys and Alice begin their trek to Grand Canyon. But a stop at a ghost town turns out to be a detour after a demented prospector locks everyone in the jail, thinking they plan to steal his non-existent gold claim. What? What? (laughs) That's uh, you wrote what? With an accent on what? You wrote why? What? You why what? Uh, so yeah, that's that's a thing. But seriously, this this episode is is written by three people who are responsible for a lot of '80s television. Not not to mention this and so. All right, today we have uh, two snacks. Yeah, we have a sugar free snack. Russell Stover has blessed us with the whole. I'm guessing for Valentine's Day, a whole rack of sugar free bonbons and things. Sure. Um, so we have the sugar-free dark chocolate, decadent dark chocolate um, candies. Decadent, come on. But it says made uh-huh. with stevia extract, so we're going to try those. But then I could not walk past a thing that I saw in the grocery store yesterday and not buy it, yeah. which is Pop-Tarts pretzel cinnamon sugar flavored. So I think it's cinnamon sugar inside. It's like a pretzel on the outside. It's a sweet and salty I've never seen this, is this new, before. This is new I think these must have just come out. Yeah. So I was like, our, our readers need to know what these taste like. So I so, got those too. Yeah. And look, people, I'm not asking anybody to join me on this sugar-free journey. And I think that uh, <laughs> <laughs> this should be a parting of the ways between Chelsea and me. There's only so many times you can be like, oh, it kind of tasted like a thing. Yeah. Except there's clearly no sugar in this. I mean, I will continue to complain and Chelsea can have... Bold, interesting snacks that it's our podcast. We'll do whatever we want. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it may be that there's some sugar, right? Except for the one thing. 
I feel like sometimes I like the challenge of like looking for sugar-free snacks. Yeah. But if I see something bonkers, sure. I'm going to get that too. Including so. the old gu- bubble gum bonkers. There's a bubblegum called Bonkers? There was. Ooh. It was. Uh, it had a big f- fruit taste to it. Huh. And the commercials featured somebody saying, what's that? And they, they try the Bonkers chewing gum. Sure. And a gigantic piece of fruit falls on their head. Ow. It's like the flavor is smacking them <laughs> to death. That's the promise of Bonkers. We'll definitely try that if we come across it. Um, but today we have these pretzel Pop-Tarts and... Russell Stower, sugar-free dark chocolate. Let's do it. Go back. This is the moment. Tonight is the night. We'll fight till it's over. So we put our hands up like the ceiling can hold us. Like the ceiling can hold us. Yeah. And we go back. This is the moment. Tonight is the night. We'll fight till it's over. So we put our hands up like the ceiling can hold us. Like the well, I don't know if decadent is the word, but these uh, sugar-free candies are working out. They're very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right with it. Like... Maybe I can live a normal life after all. <laughs> I wouldn't say this if I didn't mean it, but you wouldn't know that there's not sugar in these. Yeah. It tastes just like a little hard, a step up from your normal, gr- like a step up from a Nestle or, you know, the cheapest candy in the grocery yeah. store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, Russell did, Stover. Did, yeah, good job, Russell Stover. How did these Pop-Tarts fare, Chelsea? Give I don't know, man. inside scoop. I had to eat almost a whole one trying to form an opinion. Mm. They're not good, okay. but they're not bad. Uh-huh. I don't know why they exist. <laughs> they definitely don't taste like a pretzel. Is it almost as though they barely exist? Yeah. That's the way yes. you're making them sound, like you ate them and they sort of turned to ash in your I mouth. I immediately forgot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, don't buy these. I can't okay. recommend them. There are so many excellent Pop-Tarts flavors. Sure. This doesn't need to exist, and I'm sorry I brought us all into this. What a weird, uh, what a weird bunch of stuff. Let's uh, let's create some goddamn snacks. I'm giving I, those Russell Stover's an A. Yeah, I'm giving them an A. So wait, how is this going to work? Are we doing them individual snacks and yeah. then the grade on that? Or I'll are just we put both doing of them. Like a, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, then you are solely responsible for grading them Pop-Tarts. Miles, you ate part of that Pop-Tart. Do you have a strong feeling? Well, I mean, the Pop-Tarts have always had the same problem for me, which is not enough stuffing of the good mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. in relationship mm-hmm. to too much the, pop no yeah, no start, so start. i'm going to give them my standard pop tart grade which would be a c minus mm-hmm. yeah you going with this chill that feels fine okay yeah all right now let's talk about a goddamn episode of television let's do it so today we're going to talk about different strokes we've talked about different strokes in the past just a refre- quick refresher course is this our third episode of I think different just strokes just our second right? All right which was the Nancy Reagan Nancy Reagan ex machina yeah that's that's it yeah that was the drug one yeah goofballs and red singers <laughs> right. and so on and so Yellow forth. Jackets. The show ran from 1978 to 1986. It was on NBC till 1985 and then ABC for its last two seasons. Mm. 181 episodes, eight seasons all told, and it made huge stars of its child actors with some of the most tragic results yeah. in Hollywood history. I believe we are, two of them are now deceased and... I, I think that uh, Willis, uh, Todd Bridges, has sort of turned his life around. Good for him. I'm not, mis- I'm not mistaken. Andy, did you watch this growing up? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, solid. This was a big deal. Oh, and just looked up a story. Different stroke star, Todd Bridges, KO'd his meditating neighbor back in 2018. Um, Whoa. Yep. Oh, no. 
Oh, no, I'm sorry. I've gotten that wrong. Todd Bridges was punched while he was trying to <gasps> meditate. Todd Bridges, no! And he's gotten a restraining order, so everything's fine. But I'm sorry that I assumed Todd Bridges was punching a meditating person. Oh. Um, yeah, we watched this nonstop. In fact, I remember this specific episode because we were big into video games, and this looked like an exciting video game for the time, which yeah. now I'm truly embarrassed about. <laughs> yeah. It looked, you know, it was like, well, we'll go over like the history of video games and, and where we are uh, on the on the grand scale of things. Right. But this did look super fantastical. Yeah. This must have run in syndication mm. forever after 1986, because I remember watching this too sure. with my parents and I would have been a toddler when it aired originally. The premise of the show is that Arnold and Willis, two brothers from a poor part of Harlem, move into a Park Avenue penthouse when their mother dies. They are taken in and eventually adopted by their mother's former employers, rich businessman Philip Drummond and his daughter Kimberly. And when the show starts, Willis is a teenager and Arnold is uh, under 10. Sure. But now it's we're in season five, so they're getting older. Yeah. Um, the show was known for its very special episodes... This one, as you mentioned, is going to be about video games. Yep. So maybe we should touch base about, like, what our history with video games is. Oh, sure. I uh, am old enough to remember when uh, we were at some sort of pool resort, and my brother came up to us and said, there's this amazing game in there where you're a little guy being chased by ghosts. Mm. And, yeah, that was Pac-Man. I've been with video games since almost the beginning. Yeah. Through all the systems and things like that. I didn't, you know, it was different when you had an arcade system where it was like, here's right. $2, that's the end of it. Right. Um, and you like games. go to the arcade when you yeah. were a kid, get dropped off there. Sure. Miles, what about you? Oh, yeah. Video games were a huge part of my life. I remember playing Atari as a little kid at my babysitter's place. Mm -hmm. All the all the consoles. My mom was a very big garage sailor when when I was young. And uh, on, Yo -ho! on a, <laughs> garage ahoy, yes. we found over the course of of, of shopping over the years uh, four birthday buttons. And if you know anything about showbiz pizza, when you have a birthday button, you're entitled to ten free tokens. Ooh, la la. So my brother and I would get dropped off at showbiz pizza a couple times a week sure. and we would get our, your 20, birthday buttons. our 20 tokens a piece and our birthday buttons and we, would we were born on the same day my <laughs> <laughs> parents are meticulous i didn't play video games growing up at all part of it was that our parents really kind of like were not they had very strict rules against video games when i was younger that kind of relaxed as i got older but by that point we just mm -hmm. kind of weren't interested yeah um, I think my brother was more interested. He got a, he had a PlayStation when he was in high school, but like we never had a console. We never had Game Boys or anything. We never like got dropped off at the arcade. Sure. It wasn't until Miles and I actually got married, and he brought home. It was like well, I don't remember the first game you brought home for me was either like Fable or Skyrim. It was it was like a very big, long, story driven sure. RPG. And he was like, I think you might like this. And I literally didn't know how to use the controller yeah. for the Xbox. And now I fucking love video games. Like, I'll spend... Like, I remember the first time you came home from work, and I was sitting there, and I was like... Like, didn't look up from the screen. I was gaming, and I was like, there's pizza in the, there's pizza in the yeah, kitchen. Yeah. And he was like, it's happening. It it's, happens. It's done. And I, I topped off her Mountain Dew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Wipe the Cheeto dust from her fingers. But I think it's... Uh, I would talk about this a little bit more at the end, because I think it's reflected in the composition of the scenes that we see and the extras that we see in the arcade scenes. Mm -hmm. But, like, when I was 
younger, I think it's changing. When I was younger, video games were not marketed to girls. Or no. if they were, it was like some weird Barbie Dreamhouse thing or like some strange pink thing that was not a real game. It was yeah. like some marketing tool for some movie or cartoon or oh, something. Sure, yeah. And those games were always shitty. They mm-hmm. were like never as good as the games that were mainstream. Um, and Take so, that, girls. Well, so I think there are a lot of women who are my age or a little bit younger who might not realize how into video games they would be. Sure. Like I didn't because, I mean, you know, you didn't play them growing up. To be truly fair, Miss Pac-Man came out one year after Pac-Man and the idea was to be marketed towards women. Really? Yep. I missed that whole marketing campaign. Well, it was also 1981, so you might not have been alive. Yeah, I was not alive. <laughs> there um, you go. That's why you missed it, there's, I think. I'll put the link in the show notes, but there's like a fascinating... There was a whole episode of Adam Ruins Everything about video games and about like gendering of video games, and like he, he went into it further on his podcast. It's mm-hmm. with this woman who's a video game historian. Oh, very cool. Who's like archiving video... Because all the old video games that used to exist, when, this, when the actual thing you played them on stopped... Working. It's like if you yeah. if you had an archived game right now that was you couldn't find anywhere to play it, then you might as well not have it. So she's sure. doing this thing where she's trying to like I guess it's cloud storage. I don't know. She's archiving all these games in a way that they can be playable forever. Sure. I mean there are there are emulators available online where yeah. you can go back and uh like I I don't know. They mostly work on PCs, and I'm yeah. sh- 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 securely in the Mac world. But let's uh, let's talk about it uh, yeah. real quick. This is going to get a, a little bit into some jazz research. So yeah, so it's 1982 in this episode. That's we where we to, are. Yeah, we need to understand where we are in the history of video games. And right now, I think the best way we're in the golden age of arcade, mm. which is you know like 1978 to 84, 85, 86, something like that uh and then it actually goes on for a while when was the pinball craze that would have been in the 70s okay so the arcades would have had pinball machines in them yeah and then they would have slowly started changing them out for these big arcade games it would have started with uh pong was was in 76 77 as just a game you could put in like wherever Mm -hmm. and then the actual big beginning of Arcade games, 1978, when Space Invaders starts going into arcades. That's what starts the whole big, gigantic arcade boom. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and there's not much to say about it. It's just between 80 and 1980, between 1980 and 1982, the number of arcade games doubles each year in in arcades. It just grows exponentially from there. By this point, I just want to mention, like, as far as classic games are concerned, uh, in the arcades, uh, the big classics are Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, Galaga, and Donkey Kong are all in there. Oh, as well, Donkey Kong's that old, huh? Yeah, Donkey Kong's one of the original. Wow. Ones. What else, Miles? Well, we've got Pitfall. Oh. E.T. the Extraterrestrial, which is notoriously the worst video game that was ever released. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's terrible. They literally dumped them uh, cartridges just in, in the landfill. In the landfill. Yeah. And then some years later, just a few years ago, they went and unearthed them. They found out yeah. where they were. Well, it was this big like controversy was on, on as to whether it was true or not. And it's a landfill in New Mexico, and they they did find them. Yeah, they did. Wow. It's what brought down. That's what brought down the the Atari, which is what these games were on. Hubert, I mean, Joust, Dig Dug. That was a good favorite of mine. Yep. Pole Position. Mm-hmm. Donkey Kong Junior. 
Mm-hmm. And so on. That's many the thing. titles, yeah. many titles. So it's we're right in the middle of it, but at the same time, this uh, this episode still has people being like, "What's video games?" So they right. still feel the need to explain it. Here's where the jazz research comes in. Oh, I was going to say this research all feels very pertinent and well yeah, thought yeah. out. Yeah, it's real. Uh, it's real Not classical mm-hmm. Mozart research. <laughs> Hold tight, because I've been watching uh, season two of Shrill, which if you haven't seen, I haven't started season two good yet. Good lord, it's so good. Oh god, I love season uh, and not one to so spoil much. anything, but you get to see there's one uh, scene which involves the song Moon Age Daydream by David Bowie. Mm-hmm. So while I'm looking this up, I'm like, uh, that song is in the forefront of my brain. And I realize that, and when I read that Space Invaders is one of the first games that starts the arcade craze, I think to myself, well, there's the lyric in Moon Age Daydream that I'm a space invader. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I wonder if that was influenced by this. Here's the thing, champ. <gasps> Moon Age Daydream came out in 1972. What? And there is nothing online that says whether one was influenced by the mm. other or that the the term space invader was like a popular phrase right. at the time. Uh, when when Space Invaders was invented in uh, 1978, it was originally called Space Monsters. And then when they wanted to market it internationally, they changed the name to Space Invaders. But it doesn't, there's no, nothing online connects these dots except for people asking, are these related? Yeah. Moon Age Daydream, 1972. Space Invaders, 1978. No clear connection, but it doesn't mean there weird. isn't one. Yeah. So that's it. The, the I think the game in this. Would you say the game in this episode is supposed to be like a Space Invaders, like modeled yeah, on that? I mean, it's called Space Sucker. Yeah. Uh, and you're shooting. It's it's based on uh, a few different games here. Mm. Obviously, there's a game called Asteroids, which you're destroying asteroids in this that look sure. a lot like it. Space Invaders, there's uh, little clumps of three Space Invader-looking monsters. Yeah. And then a big dragon thing. Some games had, you know, Dragons. A, a level, and then you'd fight a big boss. Right. Excellent. I'm really excited that we're talking about this. Um, we haven't really done anything having to do with video games before on the show, but like punk music or any number of other things video games get blamed sometimes for stuff like violence and kids acting out this episode doesn't this is not what this episode is about it's not but it's actually kind of it ends up being kind of quaint as far as like how far we've come in the video game uh, issue right so let's get into it we start in the ordinary world in an ordinary world the Ordinary Arcade. The Ordinary Arcade. Uh, we are at the arcade. I'm assuming it's like at the mall or something. It's New York. It so seems who to be knows freestanding. where the arcade tell. is. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of boys in this scene, it's all boys in the arcade, are gathered around a big arcade style stand up video game. And called Space Sucker. It's called Space Sucker. And Willis, the older brother of our two, um, our two uh, adorable brothers at the center of this show. Mm-hmm. Willis is playing and he is killing it. He's, yes. He brags and about by how, it, you mean asteroids and little space and monsters. And little space monsters. He brags about how he's going to get a million points and beat this game. Which is not a thing, by the way. Right. This is, it's constantly bothering me. Video games from the beginning didn't have the memory or capability or... It just wasn't good marketing sense to have a game that you could defeat. Right. Eventually, you got stuff like that. Like, there was a game called Dragon's Lair, which utilized uh, Don Bluth's um, animation. Don Bluth. It's uh, <laughs> It was an arcade game that played off of a laser disc. Oh. Uh, it was just all quick time events. And you could get to the end of it and defeat it. Well, it makes sense to have home games that you can defeat. Because yeah. then you go buy more 
you buy another it game. It does, but it doesn't in the make arcade, sense to have an arcade game that you can defeat because why would you come back yeah, and play it again? And at some point, they mentioned you were on that game for an hour with one quarter. No, not possible. <laughs> That's not how anything works ever. The whole idea was spend as much as possible. And to do that, it's make games with increasing difficulty yeah. that you can play for a little bit. If you master it, you get good at it. There's you can play for longer, but mostly like five minutes in out. There are so many points in this movie where I was, uh, this episode where I was like, has anyone who wrote this ever played a video game or might, seen a video game? I mean, we're really securely in an area where it's like, hey, my kid plays video games i get it i feel like the art department got it like when we see the visuals of the game good looking video game for 1982 right but the writers no clue so uh willis is doing great and he's got what four hundred thousand points on this and then gets killed and he's super conceited about being great at a video game he's very braggy willis is bragging about how great he is at space sucker and his younger brother arnold played by the adorable gary coleman Snaps back, there's only one sucker around here whose head takes up a lot of space, which is a super clunky joke. It is really. It's a real clunky joke. There's a lot of really, they really, they're really pushing it this yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, uh, also, I would like to say that all of the descriptions of this episode everywhere mm-hmm. that I read Same. say. I know what you're going to say. Arnold gets addicted to video games. That is not. That's not what really happens what happens. Here. That's what the the premise was that got us. That got us into this. it. Yeah. And so, then I kept waiting for him to be addicted to video games, and he just not. gets kind of obsessed. I mean, we'll talk about it at the end. Uh, there's already been a band, Buckner and Garcia, who recorded a song in 1981 called Pac-Man Fever. Okay. Which posits that the, the it's possible to get get addicted to the oh. game Pac-Man. Pac-Man fever. <laughs> it's just nonsense. It's a real disco duck kind of thing yeah. where it's like, yeah. ah, disco, and I don't know, I'll just do a Not thing. The duck. Um, yeah, but getting addicted to video games, I don't feel like is becoming a thing until later. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's definitely, we'll talk about it at the end because I feel like... I don't know what the point of this episode is. Spoiler alert. Um, So let's go through the plot and let's get there. Uh, Arnold, his brother's been bragging and Arnold sulks off to talk to his friend Dudley about how irked he is by Willis always acting like he's so good at everything. Yeah, he admits like Willis is always so yeah, much Dudley's better at like, everything. Yeah, Dudley's like, yeah, your brother, he's president of his class, he's great at sports, he's a terrific dancer, he's handsome, and Arnold's like super ticked off. Mm. And in this moment, Arnold says, I'm going to get really good at that video game and beat my brother. That's our call to adventure. It's a pretty weak call to adventure, yeah. but looking back on the episode as a whole, this is, has to be what it is. It, it is. It means this is it. I mean, the, the episode really is is kind of a flat line as far as like action and adventure. True. But I feel like you could also just throw in an arcade game and the audience does go fucking buck wild about the whole thing. I mean, there's so many points they could have they could have done this video game plot line, which mm. another spoiler alert: there is no B or C plot. This is the whole episode. I, I mean, you did, uh, Mr. Drummond, cooking. Is a, it's like half a scene yeah. though. I I have thoughts about that whole thing, but I okay. They could have made points about sibling rivalry. They could have made points about they, like yeah, it like wanting to be the best at all costs. Being careful how you encourage your children. Yeah, anything. Well, let's get into this next scene. So yeah. yeah, Arnold's like, I'm gonna do it, and his friend Dudley is like, You're probably gonna lose, dummy. Yeah, Arnold immediately puts a quarter into space sucker, and he's awful. He like tries yeah. it out, and he dies immediately. Yeah. Yeah, so now it's Act 2, and we're in the special world back at the penthouse. This is the special world, I guess, where Arnold's going to get good at video games. Sure. Um, Philip, 
the uh, businessman who has adopted the two boys, is attempting Asian cuisine. There's like a big wok on the stove. And Can you imagine such a thing? I know. Trying mostly, different cultures. Mostly cooking for him consists of just naming ingredients. It looks as though he's just piled a bunch of mushrooms in a wok, <laughs> put it on top of his stove, and like set fire to a duck. <laughs> It's like, that's that's Chinese food, I bet. Uh, this is ill-conceived. He has a fucking housekeeper. How dare you, sir? He doesn't, though, because the phone rings. We found out he doesn't. He's trying to get a new housekeeper. Oh. And then he makes a gross joke about how, you know, it comes with its competitive pay. It comes with a its own room. and like This was not off. in the version that I watched. Oh, no. Okay, I think so, I watched the syndicated version where this is cut out. Okay, so the phone rings, and then he answers it, and... It's the agency he's trying to hire a housekeeper mm. through, and they're like, we still don't have any for one for you. And he says, oh, I have, you know, the, the job comes with um, uh, room and board and Sundays off and competitive pay and da-da-da, and he's going on and on. And then he says, and every night I tuck her in. Yikes. And I was like, oh, gross. And then immediately his next line is, no, that's not why the last one quit. And it's like, okay. Mm. If you know that's a creepy thing to say, why, why say it? Say it. That's that's. If uh, you have to immediately retract it or comment on it, look, why say it? But that's that's different strokes all over, man. Yeah. Why why did you say that creepy thing when you knew it was a creepy <laughs> thing? I'm different strokes. I don't know anymore. I don't know. This this show is this show is troubled. This is okay. So then Kimberly comes in, the mm-hmm. daughter, and the oven's on fire. The crispy duck that he's yeah. been trying to make. She says it looks more like it's cremated. Hilarious. And I wrote. To myself, what is happening? Like, yeah, this is this, is this a B plot? No, because we never see nothing about the housekeeper None or cooking or anything comes back up. into the original plot. And, and is it just my 2020 TV mind that now I need every scene to be relevant? Like, I guess I feel like if I took this, if I wrote this episode. Hmm. And I took this to anyone to read, to you, mm-hmm. to my manager, yeah. to anyone. They would be like, what's this cooking business? Why are we doing that? Why have you spent three pages on this weird well, cooking scene that has nothing to do with anything? When I watched this, Chelsea, I also, being immediately disappointed by how little it has to do with arcade addiction, I watched the episode that we talked about, A Case of Overexposure. Uh-huh. And <laughs> that's a pause because I feel like we're going to have to get to that someday. Okay. It's really uncomfortable. Oh. Uh, and I feel like it's uncomfortable in a way where it's like, this is hilarious because it's happening to a boy, which is always fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, hilarious things like that. And, you know, anyway. But yeah, that the, show, but that's, that's only like six episodes later. And the B plot in there directly relates to what's happening. Like, it's Arnold's doing his, is running for student council president. Right. And Willis and Kimberly are doing a photo competition in the paper. And those both come together. These kids have a lot of direct access to the newspaper. Do you remember when Arnold published yeah. an article in the newspaper? I think the it was day the after 80s he wrote it? when the paper mattered. <laughs> We're like fresh off of like Watergate and it's like, remember when the paper took down the president? Yeah, but apparently like children can just publish whatever they want in the paper at I the mean, same time. In the Chicago I, if, Daily or whatever they call sure. it. Uh, the New York Tribimes. Tri- <laughs> um yeah, but never forget that young Chelsea would have loved to be editor for a day in a newspaper. Oh my God. 
Chelsea now wants to be editor yeah, for the I get day. It. Yeah, so they're just some jokes, some jokes at the father's expense because he's burned everything. Yep. The boys come in from the arcade, Willis and Arnold, and Ooh, Kimberly and- straight rats them out. She's like, <laughs> uh, "Why'd you stay at the arcade so late? You knew Daddy was expecting you." And it's like, "Whoa, Kimberly, <laughs> fucking stop blowing up everybody's spot." So this is now. This is we're fully in the test allies and uh-huh. en- enemies portion. Sure. Did we just become best friends, bitch? Please. <laughs> and it turns out the Willis and Arnold already ate at the arcade anyway because mm. they were so busy playing Space Sucker. And Philip, in his cur- you know curmudgeonly older white dad way, says, "At the risk of not being with it, what's Space Sucker?" Yeah, and Kimberly calls it. It's, Kimberly says. It's one of those weird video games. Yeah, she immediately responds. It's one of those weird video games. Like she's dismissive of it. At that point, I went back and rewatched the first arcade scene and was like, yep, there's not a single girl in here. I just like want to put a pin in that. Yeah, um, we'll get there. Yeah. Willis is like, oh, no, no, it's a great game. And then he proceeds to describe a truly terrible sounding game. He also mispronounces asteroids as Astrid's. have <laughs> <laughs> to blow up monsters and Astrid's. <laughs> and then here's a joke that I feel like is pushing the line in 1980. Yeah. Arnold's like, I played it. And they're like, how'd you do? He's like, I fell on my asteroid. Fell on my asteroid. I know. I said the same thing. I was like. Slipped like the the standards and practice lady. Like a little $20 or in today's money. Someone circled it and they were like, asteroid is a perfectly fine word. What are you going to do? Come out of a child's mouth. Yeah, he fell on an asteroid. Your mind went there. By the way, in in a few episodes, we're going to talk about taking pictures of naked children. Right. What? Yeah, Astro doesn't sound so bad now, does it? <laughs> Philip takes this moment to say that Willis should help his younger brother get better at the game, but Willis mm-hmm. is like, Arnold's a lost cause. He'll never be good at it. He's not coordinated enough. And Kimberly says, Willis, sometimes you're such a flake. And I was like, That's not that, what's I think you here. mispronounced mean. Like, yeah, you're such a flake. You're such a flake? Uh, this flake episode. Means, a flake means a person who's not dependable. There are three TV powerhouses writing this episode. <laughs> Every mistake is just kind of like, what? Why? What? Yeah. And then Willis brings up something that I had long forgotten. He's like, I'll give you the book that I bought. The book, yep. Oof, this was a real for real thing. <laughs> I, I didn't know. They'd made these for arcade games. And I believe my brother... When I was growing up, my brother had one for Donkey Kong Jr., which is just like diagrams and maps. Well, this was my question. I was like, is it cheat codes? Because the only way you get better is to just play it for 100 hours. Like, how is a book going to help you? Well, here's the thing. There generally aren't cheat codes uh, in arcade games. But let's take like Donkey Kong, for example. You can actually map out where everything's going to be on Donkey Kong screen. If you watch the the, uh, documentary uh, Festival of Quarters, uh, King of Kong, mm. uh, which is about two people competing for the highest score in or Donkey Kong. <laughs> you can see that, you know, it's like, hey, if you stand here, you can't get hit by this thing. I remember right. that being a thing. Right. It's like, y- y- here's a safe spot on the screen. Right. This this justifies the $5 you just spent on this. But still, you have to play it a bunch yeah, of times. It's the only way to get better. But now you know a thing. And it was it was vaguely competitive back in early arcade days where it was like, you know, you had one arcade in your town. And if you got like the high score and put your initials in, yeah. that was a big deal. Yeah. I remember there was a Mortal Kombat arcade game at mm. the Pizza Hut. Ooh la la. And everyone knew... Like, the initials that were up there, like, everyone knew whose initials were who, like, who the reigning champ was. So, for anybody who's not as old as us, <laughs> putting your initials in uh, an arcade game, if you got a high score within the top 10, 
you would be able to put your three letter initials into the the game and that would display on the the loading screen or the screen like the right. idle screen 92 percent of people wrote ass yeah yeah that's what you do <laughs> um and if you have the high score your score is displayed at the top of the screen at all times yeah i remember when i was a child uh, i went to an arcade somewhere it must have been in new mexico and it was not at a mall. It was like a freestanding arcade. Mm-hmm. So people were drinking beers and smoking what? cigarettes. And I remember two specific incidents because I must have been very young. This one guy who was having trouble with a game and cursing up a storm. And my brother being like, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. And then wandering off and like uh, watching this dude play a game. And he got a high score and he put some initials in there. And he said... Hey, see that? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you should ask your parents what that means. <laughs> and I fucking forgot what it was. Oh. I was like, uh, it's probably like fucks or ass or something yeah. like that. Oh. Uh, and I did not ask my parents what that meant. What a gross dude. Yeah. Leave fucking, kids the fuck alone. How about that? This is, it, it, here's the problem. With, leave kids alone. Yeah. Leave kids alone. Period. So back in the kitchen, uh, both Kimberly and Philip tried to make Arnold feel better about how shitty Willis is being. Uh, and Philip says, oh, you know, your brother doesn't mean it. It's just sibling rivalry. But Arnold is not here for it. He's like, I'm going to take this book. I'm going to read every word. I'm going to practice every day. And Philip says, in a moment, I hope you'll remember, that's the spirit. If you want something in life, you go for it. You have to show him you have determination and spunk. Yeah, don't let anything stand in your way. Yep, and Arnold's like, great, also please give me $5. He's like, could those words turn into little monsters to bite you in the ass later? <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a little disturbing, but it's it's also heartening to be shocked by that right. sort of thing, because that is the 80s all over, is if you want something, yeah. you gotta you have to you have to go and get it and push other people out of the way and right. kick ladies in the belly. It's, <laughs> it's also the kind of thing that you say... If if you're the kind of parent who thinks that like what parenting is, is dishing out the right platitudes at mm, the right time mm, mm, mm. and just like knowing the right smart sounding thing to say at the right time. Yeah. One problem I have with this episode is no one ever tells Willis he's he needs to yeah. treat his little brother better. No. No and one's ever like, hey, Nobody he likes like... you, he wants to emulate you, he wants to be like you, like, cut him some slack, but why are you being such a shithead? Here's the thing, this is why I'm I'm heartened that this is such a, a uh, there's such disparity here. Nobody also says, hey, you know what, you're not going to be good at everything, and yeah. it's not good to get obsessed with being the best right. at absolutely everything. Right. It's not that. It's you then get get good at everything. Right. Do you really like playing this game or are you just trying to beat your brother, you know? Yeah, that or is there a point to any of this? Yeah. No. It's a vague yeah. it's a vague 80s competitive spirit that we, you know, thought of as like patriotism and Olympic dreams. Right. It's going to help <laughs> kids become better citizens yeah. if they learn young to stab everyone else in the back on their way to the top. You have to be better than everybody else. It's, it's, you know, what makes the 80s so... Instead of being like, hey, Willis is really good at this thing. What are you really good at? How about that? Like, what? why don't you find the thing that is your space sucker? Hey, what about... Is there a a video game called Crawl Space Sucker? Because I bet you can get in there and Willis cannot. Yeah, he's very short. He's so small. Back at the arcade, Arnold has now gotten much better at Space Sucker. This is where we get an hour on one quarter. Yeah, his little friends are cheering him on. Mm -hmm. And I wrote, you know what would make him really good at this? Some blue devils? Some yellow jackets? Any kind of kid drugs? You need meth. (laughs) 
kind of kid drugs any kind of help. children drugs if you don't know what i'm talking about go back and listen to our previous episode uh nancy reagan ex machina and the hilarious names they come up with yeah. for the drugs so willis comes in he's like yeah good job but you'll never be as good as me and then he checks his hair in the screen and arnold's like boy i hope someday i'll be better than he is and we go into a dream sequence that's just off-putting right well I first like they i just think there's like have time for this episode this this dream sequence is truly haunting it but let's let's first talk about i just want to point out quickly that like there's like a running tally of how we know that arnold is getting better which yeah. is first that First of all, we see Arnold die immediately. He gets like no points. And yep. then now we have heard that he has achieved 300,000 points mm-hmm. on this day. But then Willis comes in and says, my record is 700,000 points. So now we know there's like a over and, double yes. point disparity. And between Willis the two has of them. mentioned that he wants to get a million points and beat the game. Right. So that's where we are. We're at 300,000 to 700,000 points. Sure. Um, so quite a chasm there between the two brothers. Yes. So Arnold has a dream sequence about being the champion of space sucker inexplicably being introduced to a cheering crowd in a football stadium. None of whom could possibly see the screen from their seats. It's an arcade machine on the 50-yard line of a huge stadium. Uh And it's like footage of people cheering at a football game, superimposed under footage of him mashing all the buttons on this Mm -hmm. machine. And the machine is now displaying him as the hero, like the the video game hero with his face and the bad guys with Willis's face, which is very off-putting. It's like a weird, I don't even know if you would call it green screen. I don't know what the tech... Was available at the time. I can't really shit on it, but it's also sort of like you can. You already built an arcade set. Why not rock it out and be suddenly like he comes into the arcade and the arcade is like fancy now and he's got on a crown and like the machine is made of gold. You know, like sure, just anything else. It's so weird. I feel like the the script just says something like it's a wondrous like the world champion and like people from all around are coming to see him. I know. Like it's not even good enough to just be good at the arcade game. He is the world the world champion. champion. It's so funny though because you can tell that no one at this time writing this in 1982 could ever have conceived of actual like the esports championships that we actually do <laughs> no, have now not at all where uh, there are genuinely yes, gigantic crowds watching this i'm going to put i found i found a link in pc magazine to the greatest gaming tournaments in the world like uh-huh. a listicle and it shows you like the call of duty championship oh, it's sure. just like gigantic screens people playing call of duty and they're like hundreds of spectators and you make so much money yeah it's it's i mean it really happens the there's an esports world convention that playstation hosts Mm -hmm. there's look at this i mean this is the evolution championship series that's a stadium full of people watching a a fucking video game it's funny because they're making it a joke like wouldn't this be hilarious if anything like this ever happened and here we are thanks you know 30 something years later george orwell's different strokes (laughs) (laughs) um it's really happening it's all happening yeah it's really kind of fucked up Um, so uh arnold finishes this extended dream sequence with a false sense of bravado yeah and challenges Willis to a playoff of this arcade game in two weeks. Two weeks at sundown. At sundown. And then we get introduced to this idea that the prize oh, for God. Arnold winning will be Willis kissing Arnold on the buttocks. Yeah. In the Macy's window. He says in front of the Macy's window, which sure. doesn't make any sense like what on the sidewalk in the macy's window is like a place where people are constantly looking it's going to be lit like that makes sense yo but homie in front of the macy's window what yeah. is that yo homie we talk about kissing a little kid's butt <laughs> 
I don't yes. think that the location or no. the, the schematics or... Uh, he says, yeah, he says, the day you beat me, I'll kiss your little tush in front of Macy's window. And Arnold says, you better start practicing your pucker, sucker. Yep. And I was like, no, this is not. This is a bad, this is a bad deal. This is where I write down, this is a troubled show. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we could take a break on our podcast and just do different strokes for a while uh. and really explore... Because here's the here's the big problem with different strokes, and we'll run into this when someday we eventually do the Bicycle Man, which is Ooh. again at the core of the idea of this entire podcast yeah. as the most troubled special episode in existence. Different strokes is at a crossroads in time and popularity, where it is the biggest show with the cutest child star at a time when shows and child stars are so big. Mm. And we haven't yet started rethinking, like media has gotten to a point where we're all being exposed to media, but we aren't at that point where it's like, hey, this doesn't seem like a good idea. Right. Like we're, everything's still on display. Like it's, it's, we're all cheering for the Redskins. It's before the time where we're like, man, but Redskins, maybe we shouldn't be doing that. Or like, hey, maybe kids are not just small, dysfunctional adults who can, who can take this kind of abuse and can take this kind of scrutiny and can can take can we can just like they're not puppets we can't just right. drop them in these weird situations There's and be like well they're actors like yeah. adult actors can make the separation between their job and their real life and child actors notoriously that fucks them up and uh, you know more to the point of the overexposure episode and the bicycle man there's nothing funny about the adult exploitation of of children in any sense mm-hmm. but even if it's in in service of hijinks or thought of to be like a hilarious misunderstanding, it's just this really troubled moment in history. Yeah. And it's all summed up in this specific show, which just keeps going back to the special episode over and over and over yeah, again. Yeah. So leave kids alone. Leave that's, kids alone. That's it. So Arnold tells his friend Dudley that he is going to train harder than ever. And Dudley's like, yeah, you don't have a chance. Yeah. Um, Go into the next act. Yeah. And Arnold is at the arcade before school. It's the day. Yeah. The day of the showdown. The arcade opens at 5 a.m. Uh, the I, fuck? <laughs> the only people there are Dudley and Willis. I mean, sorry, Dudley and Arnold uh-huh. and the guy who cleans the machine. Um, Again, this has been cut out of mine. There, there's a guy with like a spray bottle and a rag that's like sure. an adult. So I guess you don't think they've broken into the arcade. Um, <laughs> Great. But there's, they're the only patrons there. And it's before school. Arnold is in a fever state. He's sweating. He's practicing. But he's still only at 380,000 points. And we mm-hmm. know like his brother's high score is 700,000. Right. And Dudley says, we better get to school. And Arnold's like, no, I just got to play one more game. And this is kind of like... This little next five minutes is the closest we get to any sort of like addiction kind of feeling type thing. Dudley is acting like a trainer for a boxer. He's Mm -hmm. giving Arnold shoulder massages on a stool and he's like, you got eight hours before the showdown. You don't want to peak too early. And I guess that was hilarious at the time. I guess that was hilarious. Well, we also, uh, we are in... um, Peak Rocky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rocky gets mentioned later on. So we're all well aware that Rocky is a thing now. Yeah. So Dudley goes to school and Arnold stays. Yeah. And again... We're saying that Arnold, uh, his high score is like in the, the upper 300,000s, and that he is playing an hour at a time. This math will not work out later. <laughs> so, like, every time he plays this game, he's playing for a 
fucking hour. And keep that in mind, because 300,000 points is having you play for an hour. So to play for a million, you have to be on this game for three hours and ten minutes at the least. At the least, if you have a perfect game. If you have a perfect game. Yeah. So at school, uh, Miss Chung, the teacher, wants to know where Arnold is. And mm-hmm. Dudley is like, uh, I don't know, but I'm sure he has a good excuse. And then the boys are talking and they're like, he's never been this late before. And then our old friend Robbie Jason wonders. Oh, fucking Robbie Jason. What'll it be this time? Our tiny little weird haircutted Does child anybody drug need pusher. drugs? <laughs> Um, Do you think Arnold's out doing <laughs> drugs without us? <laughs> Arnold sneaks into the classroom very late. I mean, it's almost before. It's like five seconds before the bell rings. Yeah. And he feeds Miss Chung this line of bullshit about the bus. But then he reveals to his friends that he broke 500,000 points right. at the arcade. Which so means an worth hour and it. 45 minutes worth of gameplay. Miss right. Chung keeps him after class and she says, you're missing tests. Your grades are dropping. You're late all the time. Your excuses are ridiculous. What is up? And Arnold makes up a truly intense story. He says his dad has... It's pretty... It's clever enough for like a sitcom thing. He says his dad has amnesia and that she can call and check on that, but he does have amnesia, so he won't remember he has amnesia. Clever enough, but also... What the fuck, dude? Just be like, you know, oh... I won't be late again after today. Because that's the truth. Because tonight's the showdown. Like, it's over. And you're out of trouble, bro. Yeah, which I still at this point think... The addiction part is coming. So yeah. there will be a showdown and then he won't be able to quit playing even Which, after the thing. That would but be fantastic. That's not what happens. Nope. So Miss Chung doesn't buy this, but she lets him go. In the hall, Robbie <laughs> Jason and Dudley are not able to convincingly fake what children look like talking to each it's other. My favorite thing <laughs> in the world. It is two actors miming talking at the same time. Like, if we're just in a hallway, just both of us going, bah, 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 bah. but no sound coming out. Also, imagine nope. my arms sort of like uh, palms up parallel to each other. Yeah. Just striking palm down yeah. toward my thighs. While both of them over are and just over. chatting at the same time. Yeah, they're just waiting for Arnold. And the director apparently was like, yeah, just, you know, like human children would stand and hey, talk. You have a, could you have like an emphasis attack? Is that a thing? <laughs> and they're like, well, yeah, we can do that. And then they look like no <laughs> no human that's ever yeah. casually stood and talked. It's good. Um, but they're pumped that Arnold broke 500,000 points. And, and they head off to the We have a title now. Class, it's I guess. showdown at the OK Arcade. Yes. He says it. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. Um, <laughs> Emphasis hands. So now we're going to go and approach the inmost our cave. I may not come out alive, but I'm gone in there. It's the inmost our cave. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to say it again. So uh, it's you see time. It proud. <laughs> it's time for the showdown. Uh, this show takes for fucking ever. <laughs> oh my god! Now you can take turns on this game. Apparently, well, that's that's a standard thing. If you oh, put okay. in two quarters at once and play a two-player uh, game, it goes one player until you lose your life, and then the next. But again, they both get upwards of nine hundred thousand points, which means this must take six hours at least. Oh my god! Arnold is having some pregame jitters before this thing starts, and he says a phrase that I forgot that I love that I've decided decided is going to be the title of my autobiography. Oh, okay. Me and my big mouth. <laughs> so you haven't heard people saying that of you? <laughs> oh, I'm sure they have, but I forgot Chelsea that we used a to big s- mouth. I forgot we used to say me and my big mouth yeah. when our big mouths got us in trouble. 
yeah, now, now there's plenty of other stuff to blame. Yeah. Um, Robbie Jason, human head cold, uh, informs <laughs> us that Willis is 15 minutes late. And then Willis comes in with the older boys and has the audacity to be like, I forgot about this. I forgot that my friends had to remind me that oh, I had a brother a dick, at all. <laughs> dick move. 15 minutes late and he, he wasn't even going to bother showing up. Oh, uh, it's so it's so mean. Okay, and um, then we have so now we have yeah. we have a huge crowd gather around the William Tell Overture plays. Yeah, they're playing the game for six hours, as you said, yep. and there are girls. Now there are there I counted are two, girls. possibly three, but it could be a guy with a mullet because there were several. And yeah, and much to reinforce that this is fiction, they stick around and seem enthusiastic about <laughs> right. watching two people play a video game. They never touch a game. We They've just showed up to be spectators. Nor should they. No. A woman's place is out of the arcade. I feel like your uterus drops out and you become barren if you touch a video yeah, yeah, yeah. game. It's, uh, it's uh, during where, puberty. Yeah, that's where the term hysteria comes from. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> wandering womb. It's Scores my favorite arcade just... game, by the way. <laughs> wandering womb. Yes. It's over in the corner. It's bright pink. Um, the <laughs> no boys one plays t- it. <laughs> the boys take turns and the machine displays both of their screen their yeah. scores uh-huh. on the screen and so we know that arnold is beginning to gain and we watch minutes of this good god Goes and it is the forever same three things <laughs> i shot an arcade i shot some space monsters i shot the big space monster yep so and now we have again people are into it it's oh they're you cheating. cannot create drama where there is no drama available <laughs> You can't get drama from a stone, people. Hey, you can't polish a dramaturg. <laughs> it sounded like you said dramaturg. I know. I was just trying to think of a way to parlay that. I feel like that's people who research theater dramaturgs. So now it's... Eat it, suckers. What are you going to do? Come out of your catacombs and get me? Read some more shit about Victorian to all era. The dramaturgs that listen to our all the many many dramaturgs that listen to our podcast. Um, so now it's time for the supreme ordeal. Out of my way, beast! Skeletor, the original space sucker. <laughs> so Willis finally loses, and he has nine nine hundred. 20,000 points, so right. eighty thousand points away from a million, and Arnold has one. One turn left. Yeah. Because he went second. So Arnold plays more, and he not only beats his brother's score, he hits a million points and And beats the the whole machine. And now it's time for the reward consequences, and we have both. It's mostly rewards. (laughs) Mostly reward. The crowd goes wild. Yeah. And then... Arnold says, what time tomorrow would you like to meet me at Macy's window? And you I was have like, to kiss my bottom. I now. was like, oh, I thought we were going to let that go. I thought so, too. I thought it was going to be just like a figure of speech. Yeah. I feel like. But now we've, we've come back to it. We don't know if this ever happened or didn't. Yeah. So, but Arnold's going to have to pull down his pants in public in front of a no, d- store in the middle of do town. It. Don't do this thing. And what? What? Good has kissing somebody's butt ever gotten the the kissy. Yeah. Act three now. We are returning to the ordinary world, but first we have the road back where the hero is... Legally obligated to interrupt you <laughs> yep. at any time. That's at what his time. ring means. He taps it with his ring. <laughs> so now we're on the road back, which we don't usually get, where no. the hero is pursued by dark forces that are stirred up by seizing the sword. So he's won. He's done the thing. He's achieved the thing. He's right. got the thing. But he's not out of the woods yet. Mm-mm. Before he gets home, we go to the penthouse, and the phone rings, and it's teacher Miss Chung for Dad Philip. And the jig, as they say, is up. The space is, as they say, 
sucked. <laughs> uh, yeah, Drummond uh, immediately sees through this amnesia bullshit. We don't even have like much of a misunderstanding. He's like, oh, that's that's some nonsense right there. I'll take <laughs> right. care of it. And then makes yet another inappropriate comment. Not inappropriate, just kind of like, he's like, who was this again? Ha 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 ha. And it's like she hangs up on him. Yeah. He's, okay. not, he's not good at phone jokes. He's, no. They don't land. Drummond. He hasn't got the timing. He hasn't got the timing. Down the range. Nope. So, so Arnold comes in. Arnold comes in screaming and running around. I beat the game. I beat Willis. I'm the champion. He's running up the stairs. He's running down the stairs. He's, it's really cute. He's turning around in a circle. And then Philip's like, yeah, uh, I'm really happy for you. But there's the small matter of the fact that you've been really bad about schoolwork lately yeah. and missing class. You're about to fail out. Uh, Arnold rightly says, you're the one who told me if I wanted yeah. something to go for it. He throws... Mr. Drummond's words back in his dumb 1% face. This is the point in my own script doctoring where I'm like, this is the point where you could make this episode mean something. What Philip Drummond says right now could Mm -hmm. make this episode mean something. So I'm going to tell you what he says. And then I feel like you and I should spitball some things he could have said that would have made this episode mean something. So he says, uh, Arnold says, you're the one who told me if I wanted something to go for it. And Philip says, yeah, but I didn't tell you to break all the rules to get it. Yeah. What does that have to do? That means nothing. He said, do whatever it takes. Right. He didn't say within reason or not breaking the rules. So we're going to, we're going to figure out what he should say. Yeah. So anything like, here's my first pitch. Yeah. Fuck you, Arnold. (laughs) (laughs) You don't fucking throw my words back in my face. You'll be out of this penthouse. (laughs) I can hire somebody to kill you. (laughs) That's pitch number one. Let's see <laughs> if we good. can get better yeah, than that. We'll workshop it. Uh, so Arnold says, you're the one who told me if I want something to go for it. I want Philip to say in this moment something along the lines of like, okay, now that you've got it, what is it? Was it worth? Yeah. Everything that you, was it worth your grades? Was That's, it worth? This is, this is a good, this is, is a good idea. The hours that you spent where you could have been hanging out with your friends? Was yeah. it worth your relationship strain with your brother? Yep. Like you need to figure out, Does like part this... of growing up is figuring out what is worth your time and attention and what is not. I mean, that's that's solid right there. Or I want Philip to say something like, hard work is important, but everything is about balance. So you can't get so obsessed with something that you neglect your relationships and your schoolwork and all these things. You know, like, it's not healthy to get obsessed with something. We're concentrating on the the consequences. Like, you can't work hard on something that doesn't go anywhere and not work hard on things that really matter. Exactly. I mean, lot, there's a lot of potential here for him to be like, yeah, you did. You you put all these things in jeopardy, and then you got the thing you wanted. You lied to your teacher. You lied to me. Yeah. You fucking, you, you, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> you're just a piece of shit. But You ain't good for you enough <laughs> to be good for nothing. So Arnold's just grounded. We don't get any of that. Yeah, you fucking, yeah, I did say that, but you're grounded. And it's like, whoa. And then we, the the audience starts applauding, the credits come up, and Mr. Drummond seems to be drawing up the details. <laughs> yeah, he's making an enumerated list of what he the is. grounding will entail. Yeah. But I was like, this is funny to me because we're treated to an actor who actually knows how to like vamp and fill time. Yeah. yeah as yeah. opposed to the two kids who couldn't figure out how to convincingly be talking to each other. He's not actually writing on the paper, though. I think that you can, you can clearly <laughs> see that in HD <laughs> right, these days. Right. He's just like lightly tapping it and pretending to write and it is the phoniest of baloney. I also wish that Arnold would have a second of realization. So like I need Philip to say one of these brilliant things that I've come up with yeah. for him to say and then Arnold to be like, oh yeah, 
oh, I spent a lot of money and a lot of time on this thing. Yeah. And I did beat my I brother. I was dishonest and I neglected my schoolwork. Instead, he's like, yeah. I thought I was afraid you were going to ground me. I thought I might have gotten away with this. Again, this is a troubled show. And I feel like yeah. the uh, audacity and um, uh, precociousness of its child star allows the writers to take shortcuts where it's just like, if he says something funny, we get it. Yeah, because he yeah, does say what you talk be, about yeah. uh, in this scene. He does. And everyone gets Urkel drunk and loses their mind. There you go. And you don't need to do anything else. It must have been, what a time to be alive. <laughs> right. Where it's just like, you know, I'm fucking, I'm trying to think of like scripts in terms of like, well, what's the overarching lesson here? Right. And no. what are we no, trying to say about the human experience? How do I correctly report on the human heart? And it's like, no, it's catchphrase. No, no, no. Catchphrase done. Um, it's also... Interesting because I was just talking with someone about this the other day. Like, I think part of why TV, there are a lot of reasons why TV is so good these days. But one of the reasons is because now all TV shows are competing with all TV shows that have ever aired. Sure. So your cop drama not only has to be better than every cop drama currently on TV, it has to be better than The Wire. Yeah. You know, because people could just go watch that. So at this time, there are, what, 10 shows and... The lowest common denominator is, you know, if this is one of the best shows on TV, the most popular, the most watched, yeah. everything's probably about this level in terms of like a family sitcom. Well, where do you think we go then? Because the the way that drama goes in this day and age is a serious attempt, satire, um, even more serious attempt, reset. Mm-hmm. You look at your the the example held up is is Batman, right? Goof is Batman. It's just like <laughs> whatever you want to do, and then Tim Burton's Batman was like, but what if it's serious? Yeah, and then that falls apart into its own satire, and falls off, and then we go back to serious. Yeah, and we go even more serious. Very like Dark Knight. Yeah. Dark. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we Joker. haven't yet gotten to the point where it's gotten back into self parody where we reset again. Right. So I don't know what TV does at this point. Yeah, I don't know, man. But point being, we will never have different strokes again. It is a time capsule of misguided... Bad ideas. Yeah, it's a time capsule of bad ideas. And I'm really down to explore this uh, uh, more and more. I think we we should try to do some more of these uh, different strokes episodes and put it in heavier rotation on our show. Because it really is standing up as the pinnacle of what we're talking about here. All right. I guess everybody has to get stars. Um, You don't have stars yet? No, sorry. Uh, I let my subscription lapse. Bro? (laughs) (laughs) So now I did research into video game addiction before I knew that there wasn't any in this episode. Um, But if you care about that, let me tell you a little (laughs) bit about video game addiction. Very controversial, actually. Different areas of study variously believe or don't believe that it exists, even. Sure. This is all from WebMD. Uh, Even though gaming has been around for almost 50 years, studies about its harms are still in the early stages. Different groups have come to different conclusions about whether it should be called an addiction. The World Health Organization added gaming disorder to the 2018 version of the medical reference book, The International Classification of Diseases, but the American Psychiatry Association's manual, the DSM-5, didn't so far According to the American Psychiatry Association, gambling is the only activity listed as a possible addiction. Sure. One thing they do agree on is that the percentage of players who meet the 
proposed criteria for addiction to video games is small, estimated to be somewhere between 1% and 9% of all gamers. They have listed some warning signs, none of which appear in this episode really, and they say you have to have five or more of these signs in one year to have a problem. So I am going to read these out, and you tell me if you're addicted to video games. Oh, sure. I'll also play along. So just keep track of how many of, keep a tally for yourself of how many of these. Sure. Mentally, and then we'll compare. All right. You need to have five or more to have a problem in one year. Okay. Thinking about gaming all or a lot of the time. Feeling bad when you can't play. Needing to spend more and more time playing to feel good. Not being able to quit or even play less. Not wanting to do other things that you used to like. Having problems at work, school, or home because of your gaming. Playing despite these problems. Lying to people close to you about how much time you spend playing. Using gaming to ease bad moods and feelings. All right, I scored a three. I think the, the well, here's the issue is, is, are we talking about right now when I don't really have anything to play? Or are we talking about when Red Dead Redemption 2 came out? Right. Which, in that case, all of them. <laughs> it, look, it's definitely escapism, but I, I really go back to the idea that when you're talking about video game addiction, when you're talking about marijuana addiction, when you're talking mm. about food addiction, mm. I feel like you might just mean addiction. In which case, truly anything can be addictive depending on the person that you are. If you're using it to cover up dealing with underlying psychological problems. But in that case, then uh, uh, trick people into kissing my my butt in front of Macy's. (laughs) I'm addicted to it. I'm addicted to that. And to blame this for something else, which is now, I mean, we have a presidential primary candidate who is oh, still Jesus carrying Christ. the the totem of you know video games lead to to violence i think that to connect this point to the the previous point if you're addicted to something it is in covering up some deeper psychological issue right you should look at obsessive behavior as a symptom Instead right. of a, a, a problem. Right. Certainly, there is gambling addiction. There are addictions that sort of propagate themselves. Certainly, chemical addictions uh, become their own their own monster. And I'm not saying well, addiction doesn't happen, but it's it's worth, in all cases of addiction and abuse, which I feel like video game abuse might sure. be a thing problem instead of addiction. Problem gaming is what they call yeah, it. Yeah, problem gaming. It really is uh, beholden to everybody to think of what the underlying reasons are. Yeah, you're right in that anything can be abused if you're using it as a thing to be obsessed with instead sure. of dealing with your feelings. But or also, your... the world's a horrible place, and any any escapism you can find, you know, to sort of take your your mind off of things yeah. for a half a second, that ain't, that ain't so bad. Yeah, if you especially if it's something like video games where you're not especially hurting, if it's you ain't like hurting heroin. nobody. Yeah, heroin. I'm just hurting myself, and the people <laughs> I robbed for money to get more heroin. Anyway, look, if you are trying to teach people about uh, video game addiction, I think we can clearly both say you're not showing them this episode. Of no, you're not showing them this. Even if you're going to teach them about things that are subtler, like priorities, no. all of this could have been brought to a head by this one line in the last scene that Philip could have really, if they had given him a good one, it could have really brought it all home. Sure. But they whiffed it. So don't show anyone this episode. It's fine. Then who did you want to hug? I guess I want to hug... 
I got one. Miss Chung? Sure, that's fine. She's out here doing the Lord's work, trying to teach these kids, getting bullshit excuses. That's truly. Yeah, Miss Chung. I wanted to hug the ladies at the arcade whose boyfriends or gentlemen friends have brought them to the arcade. <laughs> yeah. Been like, hey, lady, watch me play Donkey Kong. Uh, and then try to stay turned on. <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm going to, once again, refer you to the episode of Adam Ruins Everything about video gaming. Sure. And uh, if you want to watch it. And also, I would encourage other ladies out there who may have not grown up to play playing video games. If you like stories, which mm. if you listen to this podcast, you probably do like stories and storytelling. You might like video games more than you think you do. Yeah, give it a shot. Give it a shot. Uh, So this was a bummer, but we learned a lot about different strokes, and I'm going to keep pitching different strokes episodes forever now. Yeah, I I am glad that we just got to talk about video games, include something all three of us get excited about that is just sort of marginally touched on in this episode, really. For all the video game playing we see, it doesn't really tell us very much, but it was nice to take a dive back into 1982 and see how far we've come. Uh, I learned that there is debate over whether or not video game addiction is even a real addiction. I didn't know that before. I clarified. I learned sort of the the order in which games came out. I would have thought, I mean, such incredibly classic video games, like five of them in a row, right out the gate. Yeah. That's madness. I didn't know Donkey Donkey Kong Kong, was that old. Pac-Man, Galaga. These are just like, yeah, they're just fucking classics all in 1981. That's what I learned. That and David Bowie's Moon Age Daydream <laughs> definitely influenced Space Invaders. Dunzo right. for Runzo. <laughs> what are we watching next time? Uh, next time, Chelsea, we'll be watching uh, another episode of Blossom. Yay. Season one, episode five, Sex, Lies, and Teenagers. Uh, and you can find this on Amazon, but you'll have to pay for it. Yeah, it's not right. free. Or look on the Russian parts of the internet. <laughs> Uh, but that's all next time, and we will see you then. Great. Bye. Bring snacks. Bring snacks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box, where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks. Mm-hmm.